0: The first time I looked out from the warmth of my room and saw the ocean, I was miles from the shore. Coastal waters had begun a pilgrimage into the atmosphere. And in the bleak midwinter, the heavens of flyover states opened. In the quiet of night, the hills of Iowa were transformed into waves of snow. The next morning a trail of students could be seen trudging knee-deep through fresh powder to the center of town. And for the rest of the day yips of glee squealed down streets cordoned off with municipal gates and signs that read, closed for sledding. As much as we prepare for winter storms and natural disasters, I've never before lived somewhere that included in the local government's response, preparations for fun. So it stayed with me. This was a place that was quick to respond to neighbors in need. It was a community of people who showed up to save books and art when floodwaters came, and who spent birthdays and holidays restoring homes. So it isn't as if they didn't appreciate the realities of storms. And maybe it's not entirely disconnected from this, that when faced with difficult conditions, they expected children and a good deal of adults would fill the frozen air with warmth and laughter. Of course, the truth is, it's easier to get up and venture out in the snow when the sun is shining. In the cold of night, it's different. The barrier to venturing forth is higher. Yet on this night, each year in the cold of winter, we gather, in body or in spirit, and each year I ask myself, why do we come? There are no doubt any number of answers to that question personal reasons, reasons of tradition and of family. But in and amongst all of them, perhaps paradoxically on this most magical night, I believe we come to glimpse something real. Something that touches hopes and truths we carry that we don't often speak aloud, something that makes us feel less alone. The Christmas story is surrounded by difficult circumstances, a difficult journey, a precarious birth in a less than ideal setting, a room fashioned where there was no room under stressful political and social conditions. Yet it's in this room we find our home and recognize the light that enlivens us all. In the four years I lived in Iowa, I found myself needing to balance the seriousness of studying the arguments of philosophers and religions with the wordless possibilities of art. And when I left the libraries of books, I began to appreciate one of the gifts of going to school in this frozen tundra that I had missed before, its proximity to so many places and so much art. Within a few hours, you could go to Milwaukee, the Twin Cities, St. Louis, Chicago, and to any number of museums across this often overlooked winter wonderland called the Midwest. One day, an art professor decided to take our class a stone's throw away to Iowa City, a bigger university town. And after parking in front of the museum there, ostensibly our destination, She led us in the opposite direction, across the street and around the corner to what looked like an apartment building. But as we made our way inside, it was like entering a maze of factory rooms, cold, unfinished, austere with stripped walls and floors. And down a winding corridor behind each door was a different artist, mousy characters, people who were used to being in their own creative worlds, left hidden and unintruded upon. So though our professor introduced them as her friends, they were shy and a little tentative, interacting with us at first. As the discomfort of merging worlds began to thaw, it became clear we were standing in the spaces where they were living, and sometimes working. And from their isolated homes, artists like them were creating the paintings installed across the street and drafting the illustrations filling comic books at the university store well coiffed visitors were streaming into fancy museums and gazing upon these pieces of art that opened a room where there was no room, that drew them in with something they longed for, something that broke through the cold. Each visitor gravitated toward a different piece. There was one I never wanted to leave, and part of me still hasn't. It was probably eight or 10 feet tall, a painting of a chair in a room. It was hung in such a way that as you walked up to it, the chair was at just the right height for you to turn around and sit down and it was cast in this warm yellow light, so that I just wanted to go and live there. It was only after a dance of pulling myself away and returning again, that I began to appreciate its layered meaning. Part of a religious installation, it was a chair awaiting a holy guest bearing the light of God a chair where each visitor belonged. Even now, I remain grateful to this artist working in a cold, inhospitable studio who reached out through the cell of their existence and made room for me in the winter. The Christmas story is often depicted as this joyful thing and like playing wildly in the snow, it is. But it also doesn't shy away from the difficult parts, the layers of sadness, loss, alienation, and discord. It's right in the heart of it that the warmth of the inn draws us close. And as we gather and bring all the parts we might otherwise keep tucked away, together our lights begin to flicker more brightly, finally able to see the truth that we aren't alone. So on this night, when the stars are brightly shining, go boldly. Flicker brightly. Merry Christmas. Amen.